and welcome to the Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Ripon, and for today's episode, let's settle in for today's cat, er, chat. Today's guest is Kiki Yang, an animator with an excellent gift for storytelling, as can tell from everything that she does, including her latest work, Detective Alice in the Inside Game. This was another fantastic conversation from a guest that was recommended to me by the wonderful Tipsy J Hearts. I sincerely thank her for that, and I sincerely hope you guys enjoyed the conversation that we had, especially when talking about kind of her art journey. If you enjoy Kiki, make sure you support her with the links down below, including the link to Detective Alice. Seriously, if you guys have not watched this, it is absolutely fantastic, and you need to watch it! If you enjoy the podcast... Make sure you like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Leave five stars wherever you can. I see that stuff, and I love it. If you want to go even further with that support and find a nice, calm place where we can talk about incredible art and the artists that we bring on the podcast, or just provide a space for you guys to really grow as a community, maybe you should consider joining the Postmod Art Pod Discord server, The Artist Sanctuary. There you can join an already growing community and really share together the incredible art you guys are making, talk about the incredible art that is out there, and so much more. If you want to go even further with that support for the podcast, maybe you should consider being a part of the Patreon. There you can get behind-the-scenes content, episodes early, the opportunity to ask guests questions, and so much more. Consider joining the Patreon today. But now, without further ado, please enjoy The Postmodern. Art podcast. Nice to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you as well, and I thank you so much for taking time to be here. I really do appreciate it. Ever since my producer introduced me to you, I've just loved the stuff that you've been able to present, and so I'm glad to be able to talk to you. Um. Thank you, son. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> okay, Kiki, before we really get going with the interview, I must ask the icebreaker question of the podcast. Let's say you get to go to a desert island on your own accords. It is just you alone with your thoughts. You get to kick back, relax, and breathe a little bit. Get to truly enjoy yourself. However, to make sure you don't go completely insane, you get to bring one piece of media or one piece of art to help to help with those vibes. If given this opportunity, what would that one piece be? Uh, I have a question. So how long uh, would I be on the island? That Honestly, it's completely up to you. You can stay there for as long as or as short as you want to. Okay. Um, I would say I bring a karaoke machine. Oh, that's a first. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever said that. <laughs> I think that's too important for me. Okay. <laughs> or, yeah. Or, or if not, um, I might bring um, some games. Okay. Like, but it's really like I'm really basic when it comes to games. Maybe Candy Crush. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to go back to the karaoke machine because, again, no one has ever said that before. And I'm genuinely intrigued. How important is, like, karaoke for you? Like, because it's something that I've always wanted to, like, go out there and do more of. But, like, how important, uh-huh. like, how big of an impact is, like, karaoke on you that you would bring it on a deserted island? Wait, I thought it's pretty obvious because, you know, like, there's no audience. I can sing however loud I, I want to, you know. And, yeah, and um, unlimited songs, if so. And, yeah, unlimited time. 
so good. It's the best. The best life. <laughs> it, if nothing else, you could just imagine your own audience that cheers for you every single song. So yes. there you go. <laughs> yes. But, Get to be in front of the sea and all that. <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. But hey, if nothing else, like I'm sure there might be a crab or two that'll pop up to like, you know, applaud with their claws. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use coconuts. There you go. Audience. <laughs> there you go. But nevertheless, a karaoke machine. That's your answer. You're locking that in. Yay. Yes. All right, then. If that's the case, I cannot think of a better way to start the Postmodern Art <laughs> Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I am your host, Nathan Ragland. Uh, feel free to like, share, subscribe, or follow whatever audio streaming platform you prefer. Uh, you can support the podcast on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PMAP. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PostModArtPod for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest. <clears throat> she is an animator whose shorts feature excellent stories and unique characters, including the recent Detective Alice in the Inside Game. Welcome to the podcast, Kiki Yang! Hi, everyone. <laughs> nice to meet you all. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good gl- to see you, Nathan. Oh, it's... It- it's good to to hear from you. Um, I know, like I said before, my producer, the wonderful Tipsy J Hearts, was the one that introduced me to your stuff, and I instantly just more or less fell in love with it because of how incredible it was. And I definitely want to talk a lot about the the art that you do create. But before we do that, I want to go back just a little bit and know more or less the origin story of Kiki. What got you interested in art and animation in the first place? Um. So yeah, that's a very I remember I have a very basic answer. Everybody okay. who draws always say, oh, I start drawing from a very young age. But I feel like it's because um, maybe I was better at drawing. So, you know, my parents, like, let me learn so many kind of, like, uh, like art. Like, for example, piano. I play piano, ballet, Chinese dance, um, sport. And among all these, like... <laughs> I can only draw and everything else <laughs> to me is either boring or I'm bad at it. So <laughs> drawing, drawing stays and that's why I keep on drawing and like went into art and animation. I mean, to be fair, I mean, if you say you're good at art, I mean, I've seen again, your art, I can see why you probably more or less stuck with that, but it'd be interesting to, you know, like if some of the other activities had been fun instead of just like boring, because I can only imagine uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I can only imagine just how important it was for you to have that more or less like exposure to this art, like super duper early and find a way for it to imprint on you. Mm. Wait, when you say it's not possible to be boring, actually, um, I thought me like piano was so boring. I keep falling asleep in class and my, my, my piano teacher have to like like prepare like snacks and like water every class they she has to fed me like so that i will stay awake you know that's 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 hilarious i'm sorry that's great <laughs> i i can understand where you're coming from i mean i can only imagine like trying to like translate whatever that music is and trying to think about it so much and just <laughs> <laughs> No, I totally. So, get- yeah, um, art, uh, <laughs> drawing stays. <laughs> I, well, I'm certainly glad I did say. Do you remember some of the first pieces of animation or art that uh, truly got your attention and made you want to like pursue the drawing path further? Um. Yeah. Uh, 
it's I'm very guilty because before this I thought uh before I was fourteen, mm-hmm. I thought animation wasn't done by human. Yeah. I I thought I thought it's created I don't know, maybe alien or it just <laughs> exists. <laughs> and Fair. And uh when I was fourteen, Pixar came to um my like my city's museum Ooh. and we went. And after I saw the Pixar exhibition, I was like, oh, actually, human did this. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> so that's my, like, first encounter with, like, animation. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine how incredible it is. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you grew up in Taiwan, correct? Or mm-hmm. uh, I, I can only imagine, like, especially considering the fact that uh, for a lot of Western animation, like, you know, stuff that comes from America mm-hmm. and whatnot, I can only imagine, like, how much of a gap it can be to try to get that stuff over, you know, to, to you know, the, the Eastern audiences and such. Like, I, it, it must have been mind-blowing to know that people elsewhere <laughs> are creating incredible stuff rather than just the aliens you were talking about. <laughs> I know, and especially CG, like, um, mm-hmm. the gap between, like, CG and, and what the, in the exhibition is mostly, like, storyboards, like, character designs. I was just like, wow, like, can't believe CG comes from that, so... <laughs> I can only imagine. When did you go from just like general love for art to a passion and wanting to make it your career? Um. So I initially, uh, when I is when I was deciding my um, college, like like the career path, mm-hmm. I actually was going into Japanese, uh, and I was thinking of like maybe becoming a diplomat. Diplomat, yes, diplomat. Hmm. Uh, uh, or, or, okay, so the reason I I learned Japanese is because I like comic, and Ah. my dream is, yeah, like, if I go to Japan, and if I live in Japan, at least I'll be exposed to more comic, like, lectures, or comic schools, and maybe after that, I can, you know, learn comic. Okay. And, uh, yeah, also because there's no, uh, well, then, there's no comic school in Taiwan, so oh, okay. I, after a while, I was like, okay, like there's there mm, animation is also like an alternative path. Like if you like to draw, mm-hmm. and you know if you like comic, then maybe hmm, animation is an option too. So that's why I was like, okay, I could do that. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it certainly works out. What is it about? Comics in particular, I know this might go slightly off the path of the questions I had or whatnot. What is it about mm-hmm. comics that like grabbed your imagination? Like what what led to like a love for comics for you? Mm, wow, that I never thought about that because I thought um, because we're so close to Japan, mm-hmm. we're like three hours away, you know. So. Okay. So we're exposed to all these like anime comics from a very young age, maybe from um, may, even from five. Mm-hmm. Like we start watching anime from a very young age. It's synced into our life. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I never thought I never thought of this question. <laughs> Everybody loves comic. Everybody I mean, true. loves anime. Yeah. So 
Hmm. I mean, I, I can only imagine, like, again, I, I'm sorry if this is, like, a little bit off the beaten path, but it's one of those, like, you know, for some people, like, they could look at comic and animation and they can easily write it off as, like, stuff that's just childish. No one is going to think much of it or whatnot. So I can only imagine, like, uh... for for you, it must have been, like, incredible knowing that there are people out there, like, creating these over-the-top extraordinary stories and such in these comics or even like the simple slice of life stuff like being able to to translate some of these cool stories into you know gorgeous comics at times Mm, that's true yeah it's kind of related to your like next question or the next one yeah yeah yeah, uh, I was gonna actually going on to that next question. Do you remember some of the art and I guess maybe some of the comics that inspired your art style? Um, I do have a, like a manga artist that uh, that I really like from a very young age. Okay. Her name is uh, Mori Kaoru, um, Kaoru Mori. Okay. Um, and she draws she draws British. Uh, her initial like drawing was like oh British Victorian stories mm-hmm. uh, about maids, and <laughs> huh? Where does that sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then and then she later on like shifts her whole like uh, how do you say emphasis? She, her later story is about um, Middle East uh, traditional tribe, okay, uh, and how they live their life totally different from like modern people. And so, um, I think from her comic, I see how, how do you say, the appreciation for a certain culture okay. and appreciation for the lifestyle of some some people that you never meet in life because Morikaru um, uh, is Japanese. Mm-hmm. She's Japanese and she's never been to, for example, when she likes maid, she hasn't been to england yet but uh appreciation of oh there's such career or these are these people like live in this this period Mm -hmm. and um it's it's there is a kind of pure beauty that she uh expressed in her work and uh from a very young age i was very influenced by like how she's very expressive and she likes to talk about how beautiful these things are Mm, i can only imagine and i was yeah and then i was influenced i was like wow like you love this wow that makes me see how beautiful this is i love it too (laughs) i guess it's just it just shows more than anything else that like especially with art it's amazing how they could translate just so many beautiful things to where like it can be showcased and understand in any language and any culture that may not have that exposure beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. It's very amazing. Yeah. And obviously like, like I said before, that was a major influence to your art. So I don't see why don't we just jump right in and talk about your art? Um, because I, again, I've already said a million times before, I absolutely love the art you've been able to present. Now I know that a lot of people first became familiar with you, with your comics of your daily life, uh, with you and your family and such. What exactly inspired you to create those comics in the first place? Mm, So I create these comics because, uh, as a kid, I used to like, uh, travel and lifestyle uh, illustrations or like comics Mm -hmm. there's these um, comic artists for example uh, Tagaki Naoko uh, and Kiyomi Ono 
or there's Taiwanese artist Wang Wan. They all like draw uh, funny moments of their <laughs> life or where they travel and the little stories of their life. Mm-hmm. For example, um, Takaki Naoko, she drew her first book was about um, her life being 150 centimeters. She's a short lady, okay. and the whole, yeah, the whole this her whole comic book is about uh, how she lives as such a short person in a city and what's the difference between like you know her view and and other like uh taller people's view mm-hmm. and then uh kiyomi kiyomi san uh her her art is about her traveling through asia and she draw like different cultures like um uh how do you say sceneries and she draws like Oh, like this is what I bought from um, from Thailand, and what's the culture in Thailand, and what did she do? So, I, how do you say? I really like these uh, life uh, slice of life, mm-hmm. slice of life pieces. But also, it's it feels like it's a very like how do you say uh, early stage of influencer. You know, <laughs> like now nowadays, Instagram <laughs> Instagram oh, influencers. <laughs> But but in in my days it was like people draw them out and then publish them and I get to enjoy their life with them. Yeah. yeah. Now that I think about that little influencer thing, I never I it never crossed my mind that that's essentially the same thing except you know the comic artists put a lot more time and effort to make the stuff look beautiful compared to the Instagram yeah. people that just grab a camera and go you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's the same. Like I get to know them and I get to see their fun life. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I mean, you had some like incredible stories that you presented as well. Some hilarious ones uh, with you and your family and stuff like that. And I the one thing whenever I was looking through your stuff, like I appreciate the fact that with each story you made sure to take the time to really illustrate like just about every single aspect of it. Um, how much did creating those comics help with developing your storytelling skills that you would eventually use for your career? Mm, first things first, um, I drew these in English, so yeah. it's <laughs> that's a good start. Yeah, it's, a, <laughs> yeah, I, it's a way for me to practice English because mm. you know I have to write them in Chinese and then look up the words and then. You know, for for drawing, it's easier. Like, oh, I know what it looks like. But if I need to make it into dialogues, it's a good practice. Yeah. And then um, when I post it online, uh, it's very helpful to see people's reaction. And and when people commented like, oh, this one is more relatable or people laugh more at this post, then like it makes me, how do you say? It gives me an opportunity to to know that oh maybe this works like you know this how do you say what's the word gig this Mm -hmm. this works maybe this joke works maybe that joke didn't work maybe this is too like taiwanese this is not um universal enough you know so these kind of aspects it's it's pretty it's pretty helpful okay um especially since i came to america yeah it's pretty helpful I, I mean, I can imagine just kind of understanding the, the universal language of comedy as best as possible really helped with, mm. like, putting forth that story and that message and that whatever, like, joke or gag that you wanted to put in there. Like, I imagine, like, having that reception on the internet must have really helped tenfold. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
can you think of any other like media, whether it be movies or shows or books or whatnot, that may have also helped inspire uh, storytelling with you? Um, yes. So before I, so I said I wanted to be a like a Japanese diplomat. Mm-hmm. Before this, I actually wanted to be a Chinese stand-up comedian. Oh, like, okay. And <laughs> and I really like listening to Chinese um, dialogue. I don't okay. know if um, people's familiar with that. It's basically stand-up comedy. You have two people or one people, but they basically go on stage and tell jokes. Okay. But it's usually about traditional stories or about politics. And <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so like I, any comedian. <laughs> yes, and... But but I told I told my um, I, I remember I was like what um, in primary school in elementary school mm-hmm. and I told my dad hey like I really love this like can I can I go upstairs uh, upstage and become an actress and my dad looks at me and said actress needs to be prettier oh <laughs> man. <laughs> So I gave up. Oh. Now, now, now I'm like, uh, like you know, I could have been a star, but it's fine. Thanks for that vote of confidence, Dad. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 I confront this with him like years later. Mm-hmm. I was like, Dad, do you know like you say this to me? And my dad was like, Oh, I don't remember. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, yeah oh that's that's inc- i i i am sorry for you for that <laughs> but i mean it's it that's incredible more than anything else because i you know i i'm a person that's a big fan of stand-up as well like i love watching like stand-up specials and listening to comedy comedy and i did not realize how universal comedy can be like for some reason it didn't click in my brain that there are stand-up comedians in japan or uh china and all that stuff and like it makes me i'm curious what kind of humor like what the humor over there would sound like especially if i could translate it more than anything else Mm, it's um this kind of art has been like the chinese dialect has Mm -hmm. been uh, has existed for like thousands of years. Like mm-hmm. people, you they used to stand in like the market and just like you know have the little how do you say it? the little bowl and people can put money in. So it's like a street performance. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, before this and then later on. Now now it's more uh, a traditional art. So uh, it's more you know you have to protect this uh, kind of performance. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, if nothing else, like, especially knowing how much tradition goes into that kind of stuff, it makes me appreciate the comedy so much more. So there we go. Um, Now, obviously, like you said, you didn't get the opportunity to be a stand-up comedian, but looking at some of these comics, I think your comedy was able to shine through certainly at uh, certain points with some of these personal stories. Do you have a uh, personal favorite story when it comes to your comics? Like, is there a comic you've put out there that is your absolute favorite compared to some of the other ones? Um, there's not, it's not one. It's a, like a series. Okay. It's whatever comic that has my grandma in it. Ooh, she is quite the character. <laughs> Yeah, um, because uh, so my grandma passed away uh, when I come to America. Oh, so okay, uh, I yeah, but what 
whenever now when I look back on these comics, like I can feel like, oh my god, like how funny my grandma was. Like <laughs> I can see how funny she was, and I can see how like how how do you say how funny I feel and how I'm trying to draw her like correctly on on the on in the comic. And also when she passed away, I. I kind of also drew a piece uh, to kind of process my like how do you say grief. Mm-hmm. So like seeing all seeing all comics about her, it's also like one part of my life. So I really like like those. Oh, yeah. that's very sentimental. That it, you know what I I appreciate that sentiment. I can only understand. I can. How should I word this? Our words wonderful. Um, <laughs> I I can only imagine just how much like yeah, obviously like having her in your comics as well as a lot of your family or whatnot, but having her being able to to showcase just how much of a character she was to the people and having the people reminisce on that as well. Like it must have been almost elating to know that like even though your grandma had passed away like her legacy and her soul more or less is still able to shine with all these pieces you were able to push out it's true oh you worded so well (laughs) (laughs) thank you i certainly try um (laughs) uh now one thing i did pick up when you were talking about this stuff is you were saying that like did you did you do these comics like after you got to America, or were some of them done while you were still in Taiwan? Um, some of them. Some so of I them. started when, yeah, when I was in Taiwan. Okay. How much did making these comics help whenever you decided to come to America to continue your education? It does help in, uh, for example, what we said, like, like some jokes are universal. Comedy mm-hmm. is universal. So it does... It does makes it does make me feel like ah uh, like I am like this works you know mm-hmm. oh like this works with Americans too and it also helps me uh, make more friends <laughs> when I first come <laughs> because <laughs> there's even like people who come up to me and say hey I like you look just like your comic mm. like and also like I love your grandma. <laughs> <laughs> It's so weird. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't thought about that, but it helps, helps a lot. I remember actually seeing that comic of you talking about people saying, "Oh, you look so much like your comic." It's like that's kind of the point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Did did the comics? Uh, I imagine you can correct me if I'm wrong, but did the comics help when deciding you wanted to be a story artist as well? Uh, actually, I decided to be a story artist before that. Okay. And then, and then I do the comics. Okay. Um, but I actually was already doing animation, um, before I come to America. Mm. So at that time, um, because there's no, how do you say, there's no in-house story artist. There's no, there's not a lot of industry in Taiwan. So I wasn't a full-time story artist. Okay. And then comics is like a way for me to practice that and kind of be prepared for that. I mean, you know, like you obviously worded it perfectly right there. Like I can imagine, especially being able to practice with these comics or whatnot, practicing how you want to like expressions and uh, uh, jokes and stuff like 
I imagine mm-hmm. that those comics were definitely integral, integral. I worded that weird. I imagine they were very important when it came to becoming an animator as well. Uh, I imagine that you kind of said this already whenever, well, yeah. Words. Nathan, you got this? <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, <laughs> it's okay. There you it's go. Okay. Um, was... I'm more nervous. <laughs> Look, don't be... We're both nervous here. How about that? Does that work? Does that help? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> there you yes. I, you kind of already illustrated this, but I'll go ahead and ask it like this. Was animation always the goal for you whenever you did decide to go all in and study art? Uh, no. I, was... oh, <laughs> I wanted to... Yeah, I wanted to draw comics before I want to be an animator, actually. And I've, um, so when I got into animation school in Taiwan, mm-hmm. I was actually thinking of, ah, like maybe, you know, maybe I won't do animation. Maybe I'll just like, you know, um, use this school as a, I don't know how you word that, like a jumping point. Yeah, a launch pad, I believe is the term. A launch pad, yes. And maybe I'll just use this as a launchpad, and I'll like come out as a comic artist. Okay. And at that time, I was like so confident about <laughs> being a comic artist. But uh, since I since I went into animation school, like the more I learned, the more I was like fascinated by how like you know films and like animation put together like music and dialogues and acting and all that like. It is. It has become more than what comic comic can present, okay. and that's why I kind of shift. Like, oh, my love has shifts now, <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> well, I mean, I imagine like even then, when it came to the comics, like having that storytelling aspect of it is is that the reason why you wanted to stick with being a, like a story artist or a storyboard artist whenever you did focus on animation. Mm, yes, that's why. Okay. Like, at least I get to, I get to keep the the drawing. Like, how do you say? It? Yeah, the the thing that's closest to a comic. Oh, there you go. I mean, hey, I mean it. It certainly turned out well because I've seen some of the storyboards and I've obviously seen some of the animations that you've done. And like you, you genuinely do an amazing job. Like really getting those expressions and really like telling the story, like telling a a giant story with as little. Uh, I guess space as possible, especially with some of like the comics or whatnot. Like you do a great job, really being expressive with your stuff. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you are most certainly welcome. Um, I know the best way that, at least for me, you've been able to tell a story is with your animated shorts. I actually want to start with one of your more recent shorts that I saw that I thought was absolutely amazing. Nothing is here. It's such a cute concept. How? how for, how did you like ah, words? How did you develop this story uh, for nothing is here? Um, I've so this story comes from uh, one of it's not a dream, but it's Ooh. there's one day I just woke up at three a.m. and I was like, oh, I, I thought about a story about a kid and and like a guest that comes into his house, but. He can't see it or something. Uh, and I wrote the story down. And basically, uh, there's a lot of back and forth afterwards when I workshop the story. Mm-hmm. But it basically stayed the same. Like, the concept stays the same. 
And I feel like that was, this story was my, uh, how do you say, um, my interpretation of uh, the, uh, uh, the more Eastern part of me. Okay. Uh, with a more Eastern philosophy and, and... <laughs> Sorry, no, 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 no. you're doing good. You're doing perfectly fine. I'm I'm on the board. I'm I I'm understanding what you're getting at. I get what you're getting at. Um, it's because when how do you say? You know, like the philosophy of like dark over uh, light, light over dark. Yeah, I've heard that concept. See... Yeah. So this concept, you won't see light if you're not in the dark. So I. To put it in my personal view, I didn't know I was Taiwanese until I came to America. Mm. I didn't know how Eastern, how Eastern I was until I came to a West, like a very Western society. Okay. And this this film is kind of my <laughs> yeah my interpretation of that. But yeah, there's it's open to you know. You can explain it whatever you want. Okay. And open to interpretation. Oh, there you go. I mean, if if I may say, I didn't even know about this film until I did uh, research on your stuff and like get to watch that film or whatnot. Like, it is a amazing concept more than anything else. And hearing you explain it as more or less like your experience coming to America and seeing basically like a new perspective on stuff, I guess would be the long and the, the best word for it or whatnot. Like it's incredible how, not only how you were able to, to tell that story, but it's incredible how relatable it can also be, despite it being what I consider a completely otherworldly story. I did not know what to expect whenever I watched it, and I was just <laughs> blown away with like the, the cool little effects that you've done, the, uh, like the the way you were able to like showcase the people and and uh, like especially was it the guests himself like it, and mm-hmm. uh, Henry's rea- uh, uh, interactions those two or whatnot oh that was just it was just pure more than anything else. Uh, thank you. It's also very easy to animate because there's yep. no background. <laughs> you know what? It's just facial expression. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even think about that, but you're not wrong. That is that I can see how that's very easy for you. <laughs> Plus, plus, like, especially the the when it comes to the guests uh, themselves, like having the simple design, and then like Henry, you know, whether it be just like the face or like the simple body shape or whatnot, like that must have been just like as simple as it was to animate. That must have been like a fun project to be able to bring to light. Yeah, it's actually it's actually fun. I um I kind of developed the whole like lip sync. I I draw like how do you say? It's mostly done in After Effects. Okay. Like that part. So I, I didn't draw much. So that was fun. Like, I feel like a motion graphic animator. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, it's it's certainly a good representation of that. And I, I love the fact that, like you, like you said yourself, the concept from it came from just a dream that you had. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, I feel like – well, I shouldn't say correct me if I'm wrong um, – I feel like some stories like this would be something that would be like rooted in tradition or something like that. Like, have you ever heard of any stories similar to this one, like growing up that may have been like an influence upon this? Cause the concept, I, I was just amazed that you were able to present something like that. So I wanted to know like where the, like the roots of that could have came from. 
Mm, um, so there is one. Uh, how do you say? It? it comes from more of my Buddhism background. Okay. So my father is Buddhist, and um, in the in the how do you say? It's not Bible. How do you say that? <laughs> Uh, there's a chant in Buddhism okay. that says, "All, all is nothing, and nothing is all." Oh. And so, what you see is empty, but emptiness is also what you see. And I try to explain this concept like in so many ways. <laughs> and when I dream about this story, I was like, "That's it. That's the story." <laughs> You know, it's like the what's that scientist who like jump out of his bathtub? <laughs> the aha moment. Yeah, the, yes. the eureka moment. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that's it. But um, but that chant. Uh, so my dad, my dad is a very like heavy Buddhism like um, man, okay. and he used to he used to force me to memorize all the Buddhism chants, and he would say like. <laughs> Hey, like I'll give you fifty dollars if you memorize this. <laughs> so as a kid, as a kid, like the first songs I like know are like all chants. I'm a very weird kid, but <laughs> I mean, I, I think that's where that comes from. <laughs> you say weird, I say unique and creative. I mean, especially seeing what you're able to produce from it. So there we go. Um, <laughs> now it would be a crime if I didn't mention your newest short. Detective Alice in the Inside Game. It is such a sleek and stylish short. I, I fell in love with it just by watching it, like, first go around. And I think I watched it a good couple times afterwards. Um, How did this concept come to be? This, uh... It's just everything I like. And <laughs> I want to make something I like right before I graduate. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, that's the... How do you say That's the... <laughs> That's the long and the short of it. <laughs> yeah, the, the short. Um, but I, I've always wanted to make a more, uh, how do you say, entertain, uh, oriented LGBTQ story. Okay. Um, I've already made one uh, three years ago, but it was, it was more. How do you say? Mm, not linear. So this okay. time, I would. I would love to make something that oh most people will like it right away and it's gay. That's my <laughs> <laughs> <like> goal. <laughs> I mean it's a good thing to certainly aspire for. It's a good goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I I can only imagine like you were saying that like this was a culmination of all the stuff that you love. Like this was basically just you creating all the stuff that you liked in a wonderful short. It, it, it reminds me back to whatever I was teasing earlier when you were talking about the the one comic artist with the the Victorian uh, maids or whatnot. Was that one of the things that you like? Was that was that more or less where the characters came from? Like, is that where that concept started off? Like, how where did the characters for this story come from? Mm, so the reason I want to do like maid stories uh, is because. It kind of was a develop from my uh, the nothing is here short. Mm -hmm. So when I was developing uh, a more soft and a more submissive and a more not negative, but uh, how do you say a more feminine, like a feeling of the 
yin, you know, yin and yang. Okay. And maids, maids as servants, servants are in the power dynamic hierarchy is a more like a lower, is a more submissive and is a more, uh, how do you say, suppress, mm-hmm. like, you know, exploits, exploit and suppress character. Okay. But I wanted to bring the this kind of character back on top of the power dynamic. So mm. I was trying to portray something that's very soft, very like harmless, um, and the bo- at the bottom of the dynamic. But I want to make it actually on top. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. Kind of like uh, was it subverting the expectation whenever pe- a person thinks of the maid instead of like them being the one to just listen and follow directions do as they told you wanted them to basically take command and say this is what's going to happen i got this yes <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah that's the sorry no no go ahead you go ahead <laughs> um um and yeah i've i've how do you say i've always been fascinating uh i like the two, how do you say, the two extreme, mm-hmm. like the black and white. And so, um, I think how to word this. So, yeah, having uh, having the opportunity to portray uh, something that's softer and um, make you realize it, it's actually the other one. Okay. Like you said, is is how do you say the expectation? Like twist the expectation. Yeah. But also, that's the beauty of, like, it's not actually what you see. Like, whenever you see something, uh, there's also the um, exact opposite that is very close to it. That's why you see it. You know. No, Does that absolutely. make sense? No, it it makes perfect sense to me. Um, like I said before, like it was the subverting the expectations for you, whatnot, and seeing kind of more or less like. The the two extremes almost less almost more or less like going against each other, but yet meshing with each other, or whatnot. Like it was it was incredible to see that dynamic in play, especially as this short uh, as as the story progressed or whatnot. Um, I can only imagine like what was the process for developing this short, if I may ask. Like when like from concept to final product that you were able to release out there into the world or whatnot, like what was it like creating this story and crafting this unique uh, power dynamic that you were talking about before? Mm. It's very, it's actually very soul crushing um, because I have, I, I, I go to school and I do this as my thesis. Mm-hmm. And so uh, every week we have to do film workshop mm-hmm. uh, to like workshop this story. And this story has been like, it's like mochi you have you massage it but it has been stretched so thin <sighs> and stretched between like a lot of different opinions at one point um it almost wouldn't work uh because the story was too big initially i wanted uh the detective and the maid i actually wanted them to be spies Ooh. and yeah, I love spies. And imagine, like, how exciting it is for, like, servants to be spies. Yeah. Yes, right? And all these, like, all these maids and butlers, like, going through, like, the palace and, like, sneaking under, you know, the, how do you say, uh, the noble peoples, the mm-hmm. aristocrats, like, yep. eyes. 
like that's very exciting for me but then it has it became too big uh for like a for for my one year project so so i have to tone it down and until the very basic something that people can catch right away mm-hmm. um so i do use i did use a lot of like more how do you say you know people recognize oh sherlock holmes yep. there's more there's more stuff that you can recognize so i can focus on playing with uh the things that are different okay yeah no i totally get that and like i i'm i'm sorry that the short had to be basically like tossed around and like dragged a billion different ways in order to get to the story that you presented but if i may say like if the end results for all that was the story you did present or whatnot, you did the best out of a unique situation because what you were able to put out there or whatnot, oh my god, I I, I was invested the entire time. The characters you presented, I was invested in each and every single one. And I'm not going to lie, like we've already talked about it, but the twist that you had of the maid being the, the bad guy more or less or whatnot, I honestly didn't see it until like... At, until Detective Alice, I like, said something about it. Like you had me, like I, I was caught off guard with that twist, but I was also like, okay, I see it, I get it, I understand it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, because how much hints we have to put, like how much foreshadowing, mm-hmm. is also something we de- Like I debated with my uh, workshop, like with teachers and with classmates all the time, like. They keep saying like, "Oh, you should, you should put a hint here. You should put a hint there. Like it's so too sudden if you like just just show it." And so, so yeah, when I put it, uh, how do you say? When I released the film, a lot of people was like, "Oh, I knew it right away." Like <laughs> when you put this foreshadow here, and I was like, "Oh, you knew it because because my film workshop said I should put this <laughs> foreshadow here." <laughs> I, <laughs> I did, and that's why you know. Like, <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, I'm pretty sure the people that probably caught it right away was a very small amount of people because I was one of the ones <laughs> that did not see the twist. But whenever I saw the twist, I'm like, okay, I can see how that could be. Like, I it was it was an understandable twist. And one of the things I love about this film is the aesthetic you did provide. You mentioned a little bit of having it kind of that Sherlock Holmes-esque kind of thing. How important is it for you to nail that aesthetic of that classic crime caper for this film? Uh, it is, how do you say? Wow, this is a tough question. Okay. Um, I do, how do you say? Uh, because I do shift from different styles and I landed in a more uh anime a more how do you say a bit anime a little mm. bit realistic right to make sure that people can get into the world right away like okay. you don't have to think about oh the art style oh oh this is a new world you know or be amazed by oh this is a like a new design or something like i try to stay as realistic as as it is but also it's it's um it's furry, so yeah. 
<laughs> it's furry land, so I guess you I can do whatever. I mean, you say realistic or whatnot, and I agree with that aspect, but I also feel like, you know, again, there are some elements of it that are just, like, completely out of this world, aside from the furry aesthetic or whatnot. Like, I felt like this could be a story that could be told for, like, what was it, Lupin the Third or Lupin the Third or whatnot? Mm. Like, yes. th- that, that was one that, like, like I got instant vibes from that more than anything else. And plus like the, you said yourself, like the dynamic of detective Alice and the maid or whatnot, like their relationship and how it is showcased throughout the entire film or whatnot. Like it's it wonderfully done. If I do say so myself, <laughs> Thank you. Now, one thing I did notice whenever I was watching the film or watching your short is that it was dedicated to the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, other than the obvious plot point of Detective Alice and the Maid, how important is it for you to have that representation in this film? Mm. I personally, because I come from Taiwan, and mm. Taiwan, uh, as everybody knows, uh, the, how do you say, the, LG, the gay marriage just passed okay. um, in 2018 or 17. And that is when I came to America. So... Mm, I haven't, so my experience in like Taiwanese, how do you say, attitude towards gay marriage was before that. So it was pretty suppressed. And um, my past relationship also faced a lot of like, oh, like not coming out or something like that. So I was pretty, how do you say, hungry for representation and especially the career path that I'm doing, you know, animation. Mm-hmm. And uh, before this, you know, recently, anim- like the industry has has improved, and there's a lot like booming. You know, a lot of a lot of LGBTQ that's booming, and that's great. Um, but I also would like something that's more uh, that's not queer baiting, but is also not um, how do you say explicit. Exploitative. Um, exploit exploitative. Like it's exploiting Not, the fact that it's uh LGBTQ plus instead of just having it there as part of the person and the character first and foremost. Yes. Um because there is there is a lot of characters that their only attraction is oh, they're gay. Mm. Or oh, we only put this character here because we want representation so let's just make this one gay and uh to me maybe it's nice because oh it's normalizing like oh yes gay people is also in this in on the world and exist but uh there just hasn't been um uh lgbtq story that i personally like (laughs) and it's to my likings so that's why I was like, oh, I'm going to create this, which this is how I would picture if I'm going to make a gay film. If I'm going to make, if I'm going to make, it's going to be sexy, but not queer baiting. And Mm -hmm. there's no, um, but it's also important, but it's not important. (laughs) I'll say basically, if I can try to attempt to summarize what you said right there, uh, basically it's one of those like, you saw what was out there when it came to representation. 
while it's great, you wanted to see more. You were, like you said before, you were hungry for more of a true, authentic representation that j- was more than just "we have this queer person." There you go, people. Like, no, you wanted like a true story, a good story that just happened to feature LGBTQ plus characters. Like, that's a feature, but it's not the thing that's gonna sell everyone. You just wanted to tell a good story at the end of the day. Yes, and then. Yeah, <laughs> but then it's still, it's still like all the comments in YouTube was still like, ah, I'm gay. <laughs> Everybody's yelling like it's gay, it's gay. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's okay. <laughs> it's like it's gay, it's gay, it's gay. That's the point. <laughs> I was like, guys, it's it's also a story. <laughs> Just it's so like, you know, it's gay. It's also a cool fucking story, if I can say so myself. <laughs> yeah and like especially with what you were able to present with that film and even the little tease at the end i have to ask you tease that you know this isn't the last we're going to see of detective alice so i have to know what should we expect from the future or in the future from detective alice i do i do already i already developed like a huge like um world world behind it and like i said like initially i thought there were spies so um in my mind it's already like a series it's like a tv series length but yeah we'll see how like if i ever make it into a pitch bible or if i'll make it into web comic um but it's still it's still nothing solid yet okay I mean, even then, with the foundation that you have with the inside game and knowing how creative with how you are with the storytelling and your art or whatnot, it makes me excited just thinking about what could potentially be next for you. Because if the little taste of the inside game is what I got, Kiki, I'm going to be honest, I am hungry for so much more of what you got to present. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that. Um, and I imagine I'm probably not one. You know, I'm probably not one of the only people to say, to showcase my love for the stuff you've been able to present. Um, like I said before, like you have these shorts that people love. You've had the web comic that people have been enjoying for years now. Does it amaze you the community you've been able to that you have been able to build since you've gone all in with art? Yeah, like. Mm. I wouldn't make this far if not like if not for all the people around me and all like all the art community especially um since I came to America mm-hmm. and um people has been way more supportive um <laughs> than than back home and it's been I've been enjoying it so much it's such a great such a great how do you say experience yeah i mean i can only imagine especially like what you were talking about you know just even starting out like just you know being exposed to all different kinds of art wanting to go down so many different paths of it like considering your art journey that you've been on since you've gone all in does it amaze you that you've come this far <laughs> yes it does mm-hmm. um because i start i start um when i graduated in Taiwan. I start as a game the de- game cutscene designer. Oh wow! So I work in a game company. Okay. Yeah, and I was making uh like the two D scrolling mobile app game. Okay. 
Yeah, and I was making it its cutscene. So that was that was fun, but that wasn't animation. Now mm-hmm. now I get to work in real animation. And yeah, it's it's been it's been eight years, nine years, um, since I went into animation school. So was that was that was a long way. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean if and considering what you've been able to do in just eight or nine years alone like, it just makes me excited for the next 8, 9, 10, 20, Lord knows how long in the future you have. <laughs> and, uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> for this next question, I'm just going to be blunt with it. This is a question that my producer, Tipsy J Hearts, had. I didn't know how mm-hmm. else to fit this in the conversation, so I'll just insert this right here. Um, because I, I looked back to see what exactly she was talking about. One of the things I imagine she loved that you did or whatnot was the Lesbians in Nature Anthology series or booth or whatnot. What was it like working with the Lesbians in uh, Nature Anthology? Do you mean like um, lesbian with cats? I believe so. It was like from what I could saw, like you guys at least did like a, a – uh, a booth at like a convention or whatnot. You guys had like a book that you made of like art that was. Oh, yes. oh, that book. Sorry. Yep. Okay. You're fine. Ah, uh, oh, what was it like working with that? So it was, uh, the book was made by my classmate, Jay. Okay. Jay Lee. Yeah. So she actually organized the book and she asked us, you know, if we want to do it. So it was, it was fun. It was so good. Actually, like everybody else, Actually, everyone in in the book was uh, all from CalArts, so we kind of all know each other. Um, that was that was a fun project. We get to know all the lesbians in the school. There you go. It's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice to know that they were all grouped up here working on this incredible thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but also it's it's also interesting because. Um, that was the my first year, and it was the oh, first wow. year I came to America. I wasn't uh, I wasn't very exposed to how um, how American society view lesbian or how uh, there's a culture here. Actually, mm-hmm. to me, it feels like there is a subculture of lesbians in America, and that book actually opens my eye, like <laughs> opened my eyes to. Like how oh how different artists like West more Western artists um, portray this, which is really nice. It's very very healthy, very open. Um, yeah, just yeah. a different perspective than my Eastern mind. There you go. I was gonna say I imagine like probably ever since you've probably gotten to America, you can correct me if I'm wrong with this, but I imagine it's been more or less a a culture shock for you just seeing how different things are accepted or not accepted ever since you've gotten over here to work in animation, how some are accepted and some are just different compared to Taiwan. I can imagine how much mm-hmm. of a culture shock it was for you. Oh, it definitely, it definitely was. Um, and how, how do you say the emphasis of art is also different mm-hmm. here is here is more like, Oh, express and it's fun. And it's more about fun and entertainment and at the end of the day, as long as your audience think it's fun, then it's it's good. Um, but back in Taiwan, uh, there's more of a uh, every story has to have a moral like lesson, okay. and it has to be a more positive, uh, gives the society 
like a how do you say a lesson okay moral lesson it needs to be um let me see beneficial to like kids okay for example i worked in i worked in a buddhism tv series and that definitely (laughs) that definitely is all like lectures of teaching you how to be a good person (laughs) um with with story you know uh but here it's not as blunt like you have tv series that's just for fun Mm -hmm. or you have tv series for kids but it's still fun but also gives you lessons but not as like uh obvious in back in taiwan right right like over there it is more or less like if you're going to produce it have it with the purpose of trying to teach people in one way or another. Yes. Meanwhile, over here, like you said, there's a different emphasis when it comes to art and creativity. You say as you're on an art podcast based in America. <laughs> 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 no, this isn't ironic. Um, anyways, but, but Kiki, I've been gushing you a whole bunch about the art you've been able to produce and the stuff you've been able to have a hand in. But if I may for this next question, I want to give you more or less the dream scenario. Let's say I am Big Shot Mr. Moneybags. I come up to you and say, look, Kiki, we know you can produce some incredible stuff. We've seen the stuff you've been able to produce so far. You just need a little push. We have connections to anyone and everyone in the industry and more money than there should be possible. If given this opportunity, what would be the dream Kiki Yang project? Hmm. I do have like a dream uh, project that I would I would love to work on something about magical girls. Ooh. Something about something about boys wanting to be magical girls. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's how that's how much I can, I can <laughs> say. <laughs> like just a, just that concept alone. Like that leaves the door to so many different opportunities. Just think about the different <laughs> art and transformations that could be implemented into it. The stories mm-hmm. that you can tell when it comes to like identity or whatnot and like mm-hmm. how people want to represent themselves or whatnot. Like that, I, I feel like there probably is like, there might be something out there, but if not like that is something that needs to be emphasized. And especially knowing what you could do with art and animation or whatnot, I think you'd be perfect for the job to tell that story. <laughs> Thank you. Let's wait one day, <laughs> one day. Hey, you told me, you told me earlier, stay hungry. Trust me. I'm starving. <laughs> <laughs> But sadly, we have to come down from the dream scenario. We got to get back to reality. And I'll ask the ever so generic question. Where do you hope to see yourself, say, five to ten years from now? But at the end of, like, ten years, I would love to see myself back home. Okay. (laughs) Back in Taiwan. Um, Because I do, like, at the end of the day, I still feel the... The need to like give back to my community mm-hmm. and yeah um so i might still go home uh or i might i might want to create something uh some content that's more related to taiwanese like culture okay mm-hmm. you know what that's that's a wonderful mentality that's a good that's a good thought more than anything else. I, I'd love to see how you'd be able to to give back considering obviously that's your home, you know, 
you grew up you grew up and you turned out fairly well if I do say so so I can only imagine <laughs> you being able to go back and help that community grow more stronger than they probably already are that'd be incredible to see that'd be great yes <laughs> now uh as we start to wind down the interview, I just have one last question that I want to ask. Obviously, you've deeply entrenched yourself in art in one sense or another. Like you said, you grew up being exposed to so many different arts and drawing was the one that you felt the most comfortable with. How mm. important is art, not just for you, but for the world as a whole? Uh, you're very lucky because I just saw this quote um, that's kept in my phone for a long time. Okay. And I just saw it today uh, again. So the quote is, we have art, so we shall not die of reality. And that this sentence was always at the back of my mind. And this will, this sentence will keep me going, like, uh, keep my love for art, keep all the art ex that exists in the world and keep on producing more that is a beautifully worded quote and that is a wonderful mentality to have if i do say so myself um that is all the questions that i have for you kiki um i've already showered you with a whole bunch of praise but i want to shower you with a little bit more because it's my podcast i do what i want um <laughs> kiki ever since uh, my producer once again thank you tipsy j hearts ever since my producer introduced me to you and your art i knew i wanted to to get a chance to talk with you and really get to know the incredible person behind the incredible art because the stuff you've been able to produce the stuff you've been consistently been able to produce for years now it's incredible the it's incredible the characters you have been able to create whether it's just you telling about your family or these unique characters for these over the top, extraordinary stories. And your stories are ones that I resonate with, whether it's something that I truly connect with because of the familiar ties or something that like, I just resonate with because of, again, how badass of a story or how incredible of a story you've been able to present. Getting the chance to sit down and talk with you, get to hear your story and get to truly know the journey that you've been on for, like you said, years now at this point, it gives me a, a, a deeper love and appreciation for the stuff you've been able to produce. And I'm certainly excited and hungry for whatever you're going to be able to push out next. So basically the long and the short of it, thank you for what you do and keep up the incredible work. Ah, thank you so much. I feel very showered. <laughs> hey then i'm doing something right in this world uh, <laughs> um for those that may not already know and want to find out about these stories that i'm just absolutely gushing about go ahead and plug your social media for the people at home so you can find me on instagram is kiki.yang k-y-k-y.y-a-n-g well there you go yeah, you'll find me then there you go that's a good place to start um <laughs> Do you have any final words before we sign off? Stay hungry. <laughs> Stay hungry. That's a good mentality to have. With that, do art. do art. Stay hungry. Do art. And with that, all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. Bye-bye.
Thank you so much for sticking around to the end. If this is your first time listening to an episode, I greatly appreciate it, and I sincerely hope you enjoyed. Uh, if you're returning, thank you. Thank you for continuing to show love and support for this podcast. Um, I know last week I talked about um, how close I was to 1,000, and, well, here I am. We hit 1,000, guys. <laughs> uh, a 1,000 of you guys actually find this quality, and I greatly appreciate it. And I, I made a huge post about it on Twitter, made a huge post about it through the YouTube posting or whatnot. I wouldn't be here without you guys, and I cannot thank you enough. And I sincerely hope to, to warrant that subscription more and more. And the best way I know how to do that is to keep providing you guys some incredible episodes with some incredible artists, such like uh, today's episode with Kiki. Um, like I said, Kiki was someone that uh, Tipsy had recommended to me. And I cannot thank her enough because I, I'm sure you guys probably saw if you watched the video version or if you guys take the time to look up Kiki's stuff. Kiki has a gift. Kiki's really good. And um, I sincerely anticipate whatever she does next. Um, Kiki, if you've made it this far, thank you for what you do and keep up the awesome work. You're doing a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I... I'm always amazed with the people that I'm able to get the chance to talk to more than anything else. I think I talk about it a good bit, but like, I don't think you guys, I don't know if you guys understand, like aside from this podcast itself, I have next to no business talking to any of these guys. I'm not an animator in the business. I'm not an artist that is making incredible stuff or anything like that. I'm just a guy that wants to talk to great artists. And the fact that these artists want to take at least an hour or so of their time and talk with me and have a good, genuine conversation, I I truly cherish that. And I hope you guys understand that, like, this is, it's surreal how I'm able to, to do this stuff. Sorry, that was a burp right there. It's surreal to me how I'm able to still do this stuff. And... You know, especially like today's conversation and some of the conversations to come. I only hope that I can continue to bring you guys some good quality conversations more than anything else. Uh, I mean, you came here for it. You subscribed for it, hopefully. And uh, I sincerely hope that you guys get the chance to truly love and appreciate more incredible artists. Uh, yeah. And with that, the last thing I'll say to you guys is just spread the love out there. There's there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of BS. Just showcase that love for others. Showcase that love for yourself. Just spread the love out there. We all need it. <laughs>